I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Friday, October 21st, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, for our fact of the day, this is going to have you wishing for warmer days. So 7,960 is the number of passengers and crew that Royal Caribbean's newest cruise ship, the Iron of the Seas, will be able to carry. This is set to break the record for the world's largest cruise. Jay, do you like cruise cruises? Are you a cruise guy? That Those three sentences may be my nightmare scenario. Sharing a floating ship with 8,000 other people is not how I want to spend even a minute of time, no matter the weather. You? What about the water slides, the all-you-can-eat ice cream, the it's buffets, because it's, like, it's all-inclusive, I guess, and the shows. And uh, So I'm not a big cruise guy either because I get seasick, and so I don't love being on the water. However, I do have to marvel at just the engineering behind these massive ships. They're like floating cities now, and they have so many like amenities and different attractions. It's an incredible feat that they're able to create these things. How about I'll watch it on the Discovery Channel and you can be on it. How's that? Yeah, and the next thing you know, the problem too is that cruises were a hotbed for COVID and people got stuck on there for weeks. This is uh, this is what was going on early on in COVID. And I definitely <laughs> want a repeat of that. And so I, I probably will avoid cruises for the time being, but it is it is cool. Well, Brett, I've, I've looked ahead. We also have some other transportation news. What do we have for Peak Pals today? Yeah, choo-choo. For our first story, Liz did not outlast the lettuce. For our second story, via cars are getting safer. And for our last story, the TV rights for the Women's World Cup, they're still up for grabs. For our first story, it's official. British Prime Minister Liz Truss did not outlast the lettuce. Wait, Brett, that sentence, does it make sense? Okay, so Jay, let's get you caught up here. So a British newspaper, they had this fun stunt where they set up a lettuce, a head of lettuce on YouTube, and they streamed that lettuce, and they wanted to see whether the lettuce would outlast Liz Truss in office. So will the lettuce go bad, or will Liz Truss resign? And we have the result after six weeks in office, the shortest tenure for a British prime minister ever. Truss was forced to resign in the wake of economic turmoil caused by her disastrous, quote-unquote, mini-budget. wasn't so mini, Jay. It turned out to be a pretty big one. And the lettuce is still okay to eat, I guess. But here's why it matters to Canadians, Brett. The collapse of her government shows the renewed power of so-called bond market vigilantes to dictate economic policy and punish politicians who don't take a hard line against inflation. So let's unpack that for a bit. Bond vigilantes, which is a catch-all term for institutional investors that buy lots of government bonds or debt, sell bonds when inflation soars, which pushes prices down. This is bad news for governments with large deficits. As interest rates rise to tackle inflation, that debt becomes more expensive, which can lead to even, you guessed it, larger deficits. Now, bond vigilantes have been quiet since the financial crisis in 2008, thanks to near zero inflation. But with prices rising again, they're back with a vengeance. I'll say, Trush's plan to add to the government deficit by lowering taxes was seen as a move that would push inflation, which is already at 10%, actually much higher. Now, the vigilantes started dumping bonds in response, causing yields on UK government bonds to rise sharply and threw the whole economy into turmoil. And her tenure. Major pension funds in the UK were pushed to the brink of collapse, and the Bank of England was forced to intervene. Now, peak pals, to zoom out, Truss's government was the first to fall victim to the once again powerful bond markets, but it may not actually be the last. It may not be the last. The Bank of Japan announced an emergency bond buying program yesterday in an attempt to halt falling bond prices as its currency continues to weaken. 
Now, even the mighty U.S. economy could be vulnerable. Officials have reportedly gamed out whether a U.K.-style market meltdown could happen stateside. This is per the New York Times. And the bottom line is this, Brett. Governments that try to stimulate the economy racking up big deficits will likely find themselves in a vicious fight with bond vigilantes. One, as Truss's downfall show, they may not win. For our second story, in today's normal nothing-to-see-here news, Via <laughs> Rail is adding buffer cars to its oldest passenger trains to absorb the impact in the hopefully rare event of a crash yeah, I have to say, this does not sound reassuring, but I, I'd love to hear more. You're calling them buffer cars. I'm going to call them bumper cars. After being advised to do this by an independent inspection, cars will be added to the front and the back via stainless steel coaches that were built in the 1950s. Just in case, Jay, no single incident led to the inspection, but rare instances of structural defects in these cars got during heavy overhauls caused concern, and more tests are on the way to see what the impact is. Now, if you're thinking, surely these cars that have been in use since before man went to space must only be a small, small, small part of Via's fleet, you would be sorely mistaken. Believe it or not, the cars are still the linchpin of the cross-country Toronto to Vancouver line and make up much of the Montreal to Windsor line, which carries 94% of passengers annually. However, the measures are only temporary, as the affected cars are said to be either reinforced or replaced by new ones ordered in 2018 for a cool $1.5 billion. They'll be replaced in the near future. I've seen these cars today. They're pretty cool. So there's something to look forward to. But... New cars or not, it still means many passengers riding with Via were taking trips on trains which did not meet safety standards for really who knows how long. <laughs> Wait till you hear this quote. The older fleet should have been replaced long ago, said a Unifor exec representing railway employees told the Global Mail. It's a wake-up call for the government and frankly, this is me saying this, for all of us too. Now, some critics point out the fact that buffer cars need to be introduced at all shows that a lack of chronic government investment in VIA is becoming a big problem and a problem that's been going on for 30 plus years. And here's why it matters is it wasn't already obvious. VIA is a vital service for many Canadians. In 2019, its last year of full operation, 5 million people chugga chugga chose VIA to get them from point A to point B. For our third and final story, tomorrow's draw for the 2023 Women's World Cup will decide the tournament's first round matches, but what remains undecided is who's going to broadcast those games. Here's what's happening, Jay. FIFA has turned down deals to broadcast the tournament in Italy, Germany, France, and the UK after receiving what they consider to be lowball offers. FIFA's chief media officer said the case is a testament to a lack of willingness of broadcasters to pay what the women's game deserves. Now, it's happening because women's soccer is surging in global popularity, a trend reflected by FIFA's expansion of the number of teams playing in the 2023 Women's World Cup. And this year, the record for the most attended women's soccer match was broken, and a record 3.6 million fans tuned into the UEFA Women's Champions League final on TV. Now, the 2019 Women's World Cup had shattered previous records, with the final match drawing in 1.12 billion global viewers on all official broadcasting platforms. Now let's zoom out again. Zoop. This is all happening at a time when women's soccer is making its biggest push for equity, following the U.S. women's team securing equal pay contracts with the men's team. Now in Canada, the women's national team published an open letter in June that states it won't accept a new agreement with Canada soccer unless they're guaranteed equal pay. 
Yes, but FIFA asking for more money is not some sort of stand for equity, but a recognition that it is a valuable product, which in and of itself could be a sign that women's sports will soon be taken more seriously as major revenue generators. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, it's a big day in the Rosenthal family. It is both my wife's birthday, so happy birthday, Dara, and my mom's birthday, so happy birthday, Grandma Bonnie. Happy birthday to both. 